Firepower with Will Johnson. Only at Band.Video. Welcome. It is Monday, Monday, Monday. I hope you had a blessed weekend. And now this week is impeachment week, according to the Democrats. This coup, the deep state, the shadow government is in full effect, and they're going after president this week. Okay, so the Democrats are now taking this whole impeachment circus to the public. So now that now that they have coached all of the witnesses, right? Remember that shifty shift coaching the witnesses behind closed doors. They're ready to let the Republicans and the rest of us have to hear what the witnesses have to say. But they've been coached. We can already assume what they're going to say, right? I mean, at least I can. Adam Schiff is trying to do everything he can to prevent any kind of question going to the so-called whistle, whistle, whistleblower. He doesn't, he doesn't want anyone to question him. He doesn't want the Republicans. He doesn't want President Trump's lawyers to talk to the whistleblower. They're saying that just because you were, you were accused, Mr. President, by a whistleblower, you should not be able to confront your accuser. That's where we are in the United States of America in 2020. Well, it's about to be 2020. Might as well say 2020. Okay. So President Trump, he has been on this pathway of trying to create a better America for all Americans. And the Democrats are still trying to do everything, everything possible. To undermine the president, they're not even doing their job. They don't even care any longer. So the Democrats, the House Democrats, they already have a verdict. They already have what they're going to say when the whistleblower comes out and they speak. And then they have asked questions and, and the Republicans ask questions of the witnesses. They already have the verdict. The president is guilty on all accounts. No matter what comes out of this, according to the Democrats, the President Trump, President Trump is going to be guilty. You know, just like President Trump constantly has to say that he's not for the white supremacists. He denounced white supremacy, white nationalists all the time. He says he says it all the time, but they can't grasp it. They can't get it in their mind that he says that. So they still constantly call him a white supremacist or a sympathizer or a supporter. It's going to be the same thing here. All the information come out. President Trump done nothing wrong, but they're going to still say that he was working, trying to undermine the 2020 election, but trying to get Joe Biden investigated. Now, Nikki Haley, she came out with a book today, or she didn't come out with the book. They were talking about what's in the book about to be released from Nikki Haley. And you have, in the book, she calls out Rick Tillerson, uh, former Secretary of State and former House Chief of Staff, John Kelly, in the book. She said both of them approach her about joining the deep state. She didn't say those words, but I'm saying it. That's exactly what it is. She wanted, the, they wanted her to join them to get information that would hurt President Trump. Why wouldn't they go to President Trump if they saw something that he was doing that they had question about? See, the Democrats, the entire left, they're entirely upset because they did not blow the whole whistle on Trump. And they're upset because she is showing support for President Trump. This is amazing. The coup this week here, starting Wednesday, they're going to try to do everything they can 
to take the coup to the next level. All right, so uh, I got my website up there. Go to band.video for me. Go to band.video and share the link. We are live right now on band.video, among other places. So let's head on into the studio. So we're going to have some wonderful guests on with us tonight. But first of all, we're going to talk about President Trump and how he is such a great president and how he represents and how he wants to show his support for the veterans. And a lot of them say, oh, the only reason why President Trump is doing this, the only reason why he's doing this is because it's political. They're saying it's political. It's not political. He loves this nation. He loves this country. He loves the people in it, all of them, not just some of them. And the Democrats can't stand it. They hate this man. Band.video, firepowernews.com. We'll be back after this. To each veteran of the war, the glory of your deeds will only grow greater with time. This city is graced by your presence. This nation is forever in your debt, and we thank you all. We're also pleased to be joined by veterans of the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, and the War on Terror. You are the reason our hearts swell with pride. Our foes tremble with fear, and our nation thrives in freedom. Would you please stand so that we can honor your heroic service, please? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you all. Each year, this parade highlights one branch of our military. This year, we honor the elite masters of air, land, and sea, the legendary Leathernecks, the feared Devil Dogs, the first to flight, the United States Marines. Let's hear it. That's great. Yesterday, we celebrated the Marines' 244th birthday. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, everybody. Welcome. It's Monday. Tom Pepper and myself, we're going to be uh, riding this first hour, and then we'll have some awesome guests to come on with us. Tom, you know what? President Trump, uh, he went to this, to this uh, veteran uh, rally, and there's people that's highly upset because he was there because he was showing support for the men and women in the military and they're upset about it. And to my understanding, this is the first time a president went to this particular one. Well, I'm not surprised. I wish I were, but the left will find any reason to be upset with President Trump and the fact that he's honoring our troops. I mean, that's going to doubly upset them because this is now the party. They're simultaneously pro-war, but against the military. It's very perplexing. But, Will, I do also find it interesting. Everybody remembers a month or so ago, there was a massive report suggesting that the Marines have been activated by the Oval Office. And as President Trump said, every year they honor one branch of the military and this year perhaps coincidentally it is the marines yeah yeah and you know what they're, they're trying to say that president trump going there is, is completely political how is it political he's the he's the commander-in-chief it doesn't matter if he it doesn't matter what where in the country he goes to show his support for the men and 
for the men and women in the, in the military. He's the commander in chief. Why is it an issue? I mean, seriously, why is that even a talking point? It's like, and the only reason why we're talking about it because the left is making it a big ordeal. Right. And Will, that was one of the most, I mean, I love President Trump. I love it when he goes hyper-partisan. I think we need more of that in the world. But you cannot say that that was a partisan speech whatsoever. That was completely yeah. not bipartisan. It was nonpartisan. He was there for a singular purpose to honor the troops, and he did so very well. I mean, why can't they just look at it that as that? I mean, that's all they need to do. Just look at it that he's there. Okay, you know what? He's a president. He's honoring the men and women. And move on. You know, like we're getting ready to do now. So let's go with this next clip with Pence uh, opening remarks. Thank you all. It is the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. 100 years ago on this day, America first celebrated Armistice Day, marking the anniversary of the day in 1918 when the guns of World War I fell silent. You know, there is a day in May when we remember those who served and did not come home. But today, all across America, in gatherings large and small, in cities and towns, we pause to remember all those who served in uniform and did come home. It is Veterans Day in America. Exactly. It's Veterans Day in America. It's not President's Day, but the liberals are acting like it's President's Day, uh, Tom. And, and at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, there's there's this video, and I don't know if you've seen this. You may have seen it. There's this. Uh, he's. I'm assuming he's a vet, but uh, he says, yeah, he's a vet, and he says that he boycotted this uh, event that President Trump went to, and he says ever since he came back to the states that he's gone to this uh, to the ceremony every single year except for this year because oh, President Trump is politicizing it. The commander in chief is politicizing the military. I mean, really? So l let me play this video for you, Tom. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Let's go to it. All right. But you're boycotting this year. Why? It's a personal decision, right? And every veteran is going to make their own decision. I know some are going to go, some are not. But the Veterans Day is usually about unity. It's not about politics. And right now we have the most divisive president in my lifetime. So by showing up, he is politicizing it. Now some, some are protesting, some are coming out to support him. It's immediately made this entire event about him. And he could very easily go to Arlington. He could go somewhere else. We could avoid all this controversy if he just went somewhere else. So that's really, for me, what it's all about. It's about recognizing this is usually a day of unity. And now, just by his arrival, even if you support him, you have to recognize he is very divisive. And with him comes all this controversy. That's what the parade's going to be now. Now, we're going to try to make it about other things. We're going to try to find other ways to recognize veterans. But we have to realize that this is going to make it more political than it's ever been since I got home from Iraq. So your problem is with him attending this 
Veterans Day event, not a Veterans Day event, because I was trying to figure that out, because if he didn't go to a Veterans Day event, I'm sure you would find that objectionable as well. Well, he, he's, he's never been to this to Veterans Day parade before. Uh, no president since I've come home from Iraq in 2004 has been to the Veterans Day parade before. So this is, is unprecedented, right? Normally, it's a good thing to have that kind of support. Normally, the president goes to Arlington. That's usually where the formal Washington ceremony is. He hasn't been to that before either. So it just reeks of politics. And it's coming on the backs of all these recent controversies, his attacks on John McCain, just a lot of other things that have really rubbed me and many in the military and veterans community the wrong way. So instead of him being butthurt about President Trump going to a parade, my goodness, as, as if this the world is ending, I mean, he could have just been like, you know what, at least this president, the first president came to this parade. Why can't you just be that? Why Why do you have to create it into something that it's not? And he's saying, oh, President Trump here, he's creating, he's bringing all this political nonsense with him, et cetera, et cetera. No, why even talk about it? Just ignore it. If you're going to boycott it, go home. Take a chill. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously. Sleep. I mean, he, well, actually, I have some chill force. Maybe we could send him a bottle. But uh, yeah, exactly. obviously, he's the one politicizing it. I mean, he's the one who is upset that the commander in chief is at a military parade that is for the troops. I mean, nobody in their right mind could possibly be upset over this, but leave it to the left to get upset because the president is showing his respects for the troops. And the beauty part of the American system is we have the president and we have the vice president. So as the president goes to one event, the vice president can go to another it's a beautiful system and but of course this guy is upset i mean it really is just pathetic the extent to which these people will go to try to say president trump i mean they're now saying his mere presence will politicize something so when president trump goes to a football game does that turn mm. the football game into a political statement it's absurd will mm, you're very good you're very good Tom. that's exactly it but you notice the last football game President Trump went to, they were like, yes, USA, USA. And the liberal <laughs> media, oh, the liberal media, where you at? Where you at? Nothing. Crickets. They said zero. They don't even want to talk about how all of the support. But now if he goes to a, you know, a baseball game and they decide, you know, to get some people there to boom, they'll talk about that. Look, people, this is what the American people feel about President Trump. They're all booing him. They, no one likes him. This is what, how they want people to perceive that the entire country is looking at President Trump. But it is a total lie. A total lie. I mean, just like black people, black people are starting to wake up. They're getting off the Democrat plantation and the left hates it when someone says they're on the Democrat plantation because it was only the Democrats that had these plantations with slaves on them. But anyways, I digress. President Trump going to these veteran parades is an awesome thing. That means he is paying attention to the men and women in the military. That is what we expect of the sitting president of the United States. That is what we expect of the commander in chief. Not what the left is saying. They are insane. We'll be back after this. We're going to go to the White House now and new revelations from former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, who writes in a new book that former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and former Chief of Staff John Kelly tried to enlist her to resist President Trump in order to, quote, save the country, an offer she refused. Terry Moran has the details. Good morning, Terry. 
Good morning, George. You know, Nikki Haley is one of those rare high officials in the Trump administration who left on good terms with the president, even though she occasionally would criticize him on Charlottesville, on abandoning the Kurds in Syria, on his occasionally harsh rhetoric. And she was always loyal. And now she's revealing how that loyalty was tested by some of the people closest to the president. In her memoir out this week, Nikki Haley takes on former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and former White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, claiming the two men undermined and ignored President Trump from inside the White House. According to excerpts released by the Washington Post, Haley writes, Kelly and Tillerson confided in me that when they resisted the president, they weren't being insubordinate, they were trying to save the country. It was their decisions, not the president's, that were in the best interest of America, they said. The president didn't know what he was doing, she says of the men's views. According to the Post, Haley also recounts that Tillerson told her that people would die if Trump was unchecked, but she refused to join their effort. They should have been saying that to the president, not asking me to join them on their sidebar plan. It should have been, go tell the president what your differences are and quit if you don't like what he's doing. But to undermine a president is really a very dangerous thing and it goes against the constitution and it goes against what the american people want and it was was offensive as for president trump he was effusive when haley left office last fall she's a fantastic person very importantly but she also is somebody that gets it and the president is now tweeting good luck nikki on her book's release okay let's stop well, it there. In a you know what you know what tom the deep state is, you know, they're not even hiding any longer. So where is, you know, Rick Tillerson, R Rex Tillerson? Where is he at right now? I mean, I would love to hear a comment from him. If it's not true, this would be the prime time for him to come out and say something. Same thing with Kelly. If this is if this is not true, this would be the prime time for you to come out and say something. Say, OK, you know what? Nikki is just trying to sell a book. I didn't say any of this. She's just trying to get everyone's attention. So everyone will go buy her book to see what's in it. They can at least say that. I mean, at least that's what I would say. I mean, seriously, I would say that. I mean, at this point, what does it matter? I mean, what it look like? <laughs> <laughs> well, Will, I mean, the fact is these people were working against President Trump. It was widely reported. And one of the first places to report it, by the way, was Alex Jones and the Alex Jones Show and Infowars.com, especially that John Kelly was working against the president. But, I mean, I am very uh, perplexed as well with the Nikki Haley situation. This is a woman who has five, six, seven, eight, maybe, maybe 15 times come out against President Trump on key issues and has put in, essentially put in check by Kellyanne Conway. I mean, there are some members of the GOP establishment who seriously think that maybe uh, she will be the next vice president. They'll kick Pence out and put her in. There's other people who think that she will be a competing candidate come 2024 when President Trump can no longer run for the executive position. But so I am very leery of this, and I almost wonder, I think maybe they were successful. I think that may be the deception on Haley's behalf. Maybe they asked. And she said, sure. I mean, there is a reason why she is no longer there. And then the other part of this, Will, I mean, everybody acts like she was so high up. She was the ambassador to the United Nations. She was the right. ambassador to a organization that is essentially bent, hell bent on the idea of destroying national sovereignty in the name of uh, international cooperation or in the name of climate change or whatever else. She, This is an organization, Will, where Saudi Arabia is on the Women's Rights Council. I think women just got the right to drive there like last year. <laughs> you know what? And Nikki Haley, she goes on to say that um, 
that President Trump did any, he didn't, he did not do anything wrong when it came to Ukraine. He didn't do anything wrong. Now, what's amazing to me is that you have the entire left and, and, and they're not even questioning. Did Joe Biden's son do anything wrong? Did Joe Biden himself do anything wrong? And I know a lot of people are like, okay, this is the same story. We've heard this story. But the only reason why it's still in the news, because it's all circling around, because they said President Trump asked the Ukrainian president to look into Joe Biden and his son into corruption. That's where all this stems from. That's where it all began as far as Ukraine. But so if that's the case, why aren't they asking the question? And why in the world, if Joe, if Hunter Biden, Tom, did not do anything wrong, why, why would it be a problem for him to come testify? Mm. Why would that be a problem? Are they trying to hide something? Think about that. <laughs> well, Will, you obviously know the answer to that question. They're desperately trying to protect the Bidens. That's how come the whistleblower isn't going to testify. That's why nobody is calling for Hunter Biden to testify. And the only people who are calling for Hunter Biden to testify aren't people who actually want to see it happen. They're calling for Adam Schiff to do it. I mean, the fact is, numerous GOP senators have the ability to right now end this thing and have Hunter Biden come and tell the truth before Congress. Lindsey Graham could do it right now. He could do it. 725 in the evening if he so felt like doing it but obviously they don't want to they're enjoying the theater they're enjoying the theatrics they're enjoying the fact or the the idea that they can go on cable news or they can go deliver a 30 second sound bite that sounds really good and they're really on the president's side and then of course they drop the ball when it comes to actually doing anything meaningful to help the president yeah you know what speaking of the whistleblower here's a clip that we're going to play with a uh, shifty shift. They were actually talking about on CNN and they, and they showed the shifty shift and the statement that he made about, you know, trying to talk to the whistle to the whistleblower. I'm having a hard time saying whistleblower tonight. I don't know why having, they're wanting to say that talking to the whistleblower, this is shifty shift saying that it's, it's pointless and it's redundant and it's not necessary. I mean, why even do it? No need to go there. Nothing to see here because we already got the verdict in on president Trump. He's guilty regardless. Let's go to that clip. The impeachment inquiry bursting into the open this week. Historic appearances by witnesses who gave damning testimony behind closed doors about quid pro quo in Ukraine, now set to do it in front of the TV cameras for the world to hear. Democrats hoping the hearings will make their case the inquiry is necessary. Those open hearings will be an opportunity for the American people to evaluate the witnesses for themselves to make their own determinations about the credibility of the witnesses. Trying to put a ribbon on a sham process doesn't make it any less of a sham. Republicans have slammed the process for its secrecy. Now they're allowed to call witnesses, but Democrats have the final say. One big request from Republicans, the whistleblower. It's impossible to bring this case forward, in my view, fairly, without us knowing who the whistleblower is and having a chance to cross-examine them. But House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff rejecting that request, writing that testimony from the whistleblower, whose identity is still unknown, would be redundant and unnecessary and only place their security at grave risk. No, the only thing that's going to place at grave risk, Tom, is them getting exposed with this whole coup, with this whole agenda trying to take President Trump out. That's the only thing that's at risk here. The American people, this nation, what the Democrats are doing here, as far as them trying to take out President Trump, they are risking 
our safety as a whole in the country. And it's not President Trump. It's the Democrats. If you're going to be accused of something, if I accuse Tom, if I accuse you, Tom, of doing something wrong, you should have every right to confront me about it. But the left are saying, oh, no, 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 no. Why? Because President Trump, you're already guilty. The verdict is in, according to the Democrats. Guilty, 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 guilty. Really? The American people need to stand up to it. Uh, people in the administration asked for a quid pro quo and whether if they're and whether the president himself directed it. Do you think there's a distinction there? If there's no proof the president himself directed it, but for instance, as we've seen, these transcripts indicate about perhaps Mick Mulvaney was was directing this. Does that distinction matter no, to you? I think we've gotten lost in this whole idea of quid pro quo, and I think Senator Kennedy kind of hit the nail on the head, is that um, if you're not allowed to give aid to people who are corrupt, there's always contingencies on aid. Even even President Obama withheld aid. You know, he was supposed to give lethal aid. Congress said give them $300 million in lethal aid, and he sent them blankets. So presidents since the beginning of time have resisted Congress, and there's been this sort of back-and-forth jockeying over what is sent. But also presidents have withheld aid before for corruption. So the thing is, is I think it's a mistake to say, oh, he withheld aid until he got what he wanted. Well, if it's corruption and he believes there to be corruption, he has every right to withhold aid. So I think it's a big mistake for anybody to argue quid pro quo. It didn't have quid pro quo. And I know that's what the administration's arguing. I wouldn't make that argument. I would make the argument that every politician in Washington, yeah. other than me virtually, is trying to manipulate Ukraine to their purposes. <laughs> Menendez tried it. Murphy tried it. Biden tried it. Trump's tried it. They're all all doing it. They are all trying to manipulate Ukraine to get some kind of investigation, either end an investigation yeah. or start an investigation. So basically, Tom, they're just trying to get um, President Trump on the same thing that they've been doing all along, which is no surprise. It's like, oh, OK, that's not epiphany. I mean, we all know that the politicians have always been corrupt, but it's still no nothing has come out that President Trump actually said, OK, you're going to give me information on Joe Biden and his son, or you're not going to get this money. And the question is, is that or it's not even a question. They still received the assistance that they were requesting without giving any information on quick on cricket Joe Biden and his cricket son. I mean, it is a complete and total joke. Never forget that this all goes back to largely the Russia collusion investigation. I mean, everybody seems to forget that Ukraine played a big part in this. The Democrats should be applauding this. But, Will, let's take an absolutely absurd example here. And let's say that we're talking about foreign aid to, oh, I don't know, 1939 Germany. And then you find out, oh, they're rounding people up. They're making people wear badges. Well, we will only give you the aid if you quit doing that. Stop rounding up Jews, gypsies, and gays. Stop that, and then we'll give you the aid. Well, that's quid pro quo. You can't <laughs> do that. You can't tell Hitler to stop killing Jews in order to get money. That's quid pro quo. I mean, that's what these people sound like. This whole thing is such a farce. And it, I mean, you, obviously what they're trying to do here, they think they can get President Trump out of office by the end of the year. They think that enough Senate Republicans will play ball for fear of God knows what being released to the media about them. And they seem to be they seem to think they have a pretty good shot at it. But, I mean, the American people have to see how ridiculous this entire situation is. Yeah, Tom, what you're saying there, if I'm going to go along with it, I mean, you're saying that Joe Biden never did go on the stage 
or, or wait a minute, wait a minute. Joe Biden actually did go on the stage and said that, hey, well, I'm going to hold this billion dollars from you unless you do this, unless you fire this prosecutor that's going after the uh, the company my son is sitting the board on in Ukraine. Oh, right. but that's not happening because, oh, if President Trump actually wants to look into something like that, which we all know would be a quick pro quo right there, big and plain as day, a criminal act, then why are we doing that? We shouldn't do that. You know what, Tom, and I have, I just have another clip for you. This is what, so before we go into it, Nikki Haley came out and then she talked about how they tried to incorporate her, bring her into their fold, the deep state. And, and then all of a sudden, today, they have more witnesses, three to be exact, three. And one of the main ones is this lady, Laura Cooper, where she come out and, and CNN is talking about what she said in her transcript. Now, Tom, if, if she already had this transcript, you know, maybe a, a day after the phone call, I, I haven't seen the date on the transcript. But isn't it something that she write a transcript and then all of a sudden it matches up with the original one Trump put out? I mean, I could write a transcript and I could release it and say, look, I got the transcript. I'm a witness. I mean, I'm not saying that's how it took place, but my goodness. I mean, it really? I mean, so now they got three all of a sudden. And I think they did that purposely. They had this. They had to say because this is impeachment week starting Wednesday to remove President Trump. So let's go to this clip where CNN is talking about Laura Cooper it has uh, it said that President Trump wanted the investigation against Joe Biden. Our analysts to discuss what we're learning right now. Susan Hennessy, uh, Laura Cooper, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, uh, overseeing Russia, Ukraine, Eurasia policy. She testified under oath that the then special U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, now the former ambassador, told her that aid to Ukraine might be released if Ukraine publicly acknowledged it would launch investigations that President Trump was seeking. So how, how significant do you believe this revelation is? I think it's, it's significant because it's yet another official acknowledging that there really was an explicit quid pro quo here. This was about exchanging military aid for political, politically motivated investigations that the president wanted to happen. Cooper is not the first person to testify about this, but she's yet another individual. There's lots of significant information in her transcripts, including her understanding based on conversations with people like Kurt Volker, like Mick Mulvaney, that this was being driven by the president himself, that the President Trump was the person who wanted these investigations, who was concerned about this aid in the first instance. Now, Cooper says that at the Department of Defense, they were concerned that the president might lack authorization for this. That's a little bit of a, of a coded way of saying they were worried that it wasn't consistent with the law, that the president was only allowed to, to uh, use these funds for limited purposes, only allowed to hold them up for limited purposes. And she says... They actually said they, they told the White House, if you want to del- if you want to use these funds or delay these funds, you need to notify Congress. You need to notify them of a possible reprogramming action. And she said that didn't happen. So it's more indication that nothing that was happening here was happening for legitimate purposes or within sort of the ordinary or regular order that we would expect. But instead, this really was about the president of the United States leveraging congressionally appropriated military funds in order to turn a foreign government essentially into his opposition researchers for his presidential campaign. Oh, hashtag believe the witness. Hashtag believe the witness. Hashtag believe the next testimony. I mean, they probably, today's just Monday. They're probably going to have another three uh, people come out and say, oh, we got testimony. We got transcript. 
We're going to uh, release them tomorrow, three more tomorrow, probably three more come Wednesday morning before they even have these hearings. This, like I said, Tom, I, I, I don't believe any of it. I mean, I literally do not believe a single thing that they are releasing because it's too convenient. I mean, seriously? Oh, this is an impeachment week for the Democrats, but, oh, we have more witnesses? I mean, seriously? Right. Well, it is absolutely bizarre, Will. I mean, their entire narrative keeps being destroyed right before their very eyes, and they just keep ignoring it. I mean, we now know, I'm sorry to everybody out there in the media who is pretending that we don't know this, but we now know the whistleblower, Eric Sierra worked for how many different Democrats? He has been photographed with how many different Democrats? He is a deep state creature. He is a pawn who was put into play, and we know this. So their entire narrative from the start now has been completely destroyed and yet they keep pushing forward now with these no-name witnesses that they seem to be pulling out of a hat and actually i think that might be worth pitching to that clip clip number 11 maybe will yeah that's good hey before we go to it tom you were the first one to say it so i think fox news is actually paying attention to you (laughs) let's go oh god i hope not but yeah clip 11 And Real Clear Investigations has identified a man named Eric Cheramella as the whistleblower. So it's already out there. We could be talking about this reporting and talking about whether that's accurate reporting or not. So I feel a little bit confused about why we're pretending that it hasn't already been. I just want to clarify that I don't know that 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 is the person. That might be the first time that the name has been mentioned on Fox News. And not by a Fox News reporter. I just want to clarify that 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 I'm going to come to you on this. I don't know whether this is actually the person or not. And I don't know. Oh, were you supposed to say that? Uh, control room, was she supposed to be able to say that? Was she be able to say that? I can't hear you, control room. Come back again. Uh, 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 yeah, I don't know if that's actually the person. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We didn't say that. We didn't say that. You didn't see nothing here. Cut it. Cut. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. No, seriously. Go to commercial. We're, we're, we only got 20 seconds. Go to commercial. What are you doing? Oh, we were not supposed to say that. Fox News? Really? Fox News? Where are you doing? Tell the truth. Do not be like the lying liberal media. Stick with it. Do not hold back. I love it. Look at that. (laughs) I will be back. (laughs) Good stuff. Sanders says Medicare for all will save us all this kind of money. And somebody disagrees with that. Does it fall upon Facebook to study it and determine the veracity of something of that nature? Um, all for capitalism. Let's call a spade a spade. This is just them defending their capitalism and not their wrapping themselves in the flag. That is, I think, is a misdirection. And I think, unfortunately, in this case, the Wall Street Journal editorial team got it wrong. Let's look at the numbers. The numbers will determine this debate once and for all. Facebook's revenue in the U.S., in North America, U.S. and Canada, is about $33 billion. That's of their total annualized revenue, about $55 billion. So $33 billion annualized revenue right now for Facebook in North America. The estimated overt political ad spend in the 2020 cycle, the overt political ad spend in the 2020 cycle, meaning not the skullduggery from Russian bots and so forth, just right. the overt actual political ad spend, is going to be over $3 billion. So that's right. about 9 10% yep. of what Facebook could make this year. They're looking to make their money on that ad revenue. And by the way, they should. But the the shame is when they start to say that they are wrapping themselves in that First Amendment because they stand for something. No, that's not true. I think they'd like that to be true, but it's not true. They stand for their revenue. There's nothing wrong with that. But by the way, what I'm really uncomfortable with is the Wall Street Journal's making the mistake, uh, or someone else is making the mistake in this case, perhaps, that, that, you know, in, in, that Facebook can, on one side of its mouth, say, hey, we're very, very adamantly determined to deter certain kinds of speech, yep. but not those, that kind of speech, at the same time be able to wrap themselves in the flag. You either believe in it or you don't. A value.
you know, I, Facebook, they, I mean, they've already admitted. I mean, Zuckerberg, when he was up on the Hill, Tom, he's already admitted that they're pretty left. <clears throat> they're, I mean, he said, yeah, we're all leftists. I mean, he straight up said it. He didn't even hide it. And they're still not hiding it. And they're still going to continue being leftists. And anyone, I mean, they, you know, I, I don't think that they really care about even censoring particular liberals or certain liberals even. I mean, look how Google did Tossie Gabbard. I mean, so they, they will, they will promote those who they deem putting out the information that they want. For example, like CNN, they had this whole big deal with Anderson Cooper, CIA operative, right? Mm-hmm. And they put this whole deal out on Facebook and push and to push him and to push the whole thing to get people to watch CNN. I don't even think that was successful. (laughs) No, I think it failed miserably, actually. I don't think they're doing it anymore. But, I mean, I do really appreciate what he said in that clip. I mean, Facebook is worried about their bottom line, and their bottom line depends, especially in an election year, on political advertising. I mean, but Mm -hmm. I think this entire discussion, Will, I think, and this is what that individual was kind of starting to hint at, this entire discussion is almost a distraction, and it's insulting, because you can spend $2 billion on Facebook ads if you want, as Hillary Clinton pretty much did, by the way. You can spend all that money, but it is nothing without the free earned media from people like you in 2016, people like me in 2016. You can't buy the type of media that President Trump got on social media in the last cycle just from average people who are now being demonized as Russian bots, normal, average, everyday Americans getting on Facebook, getting on Twitter, getting on YouTube and saying, I support this man for president. Here why. Sometimes they make a Facebook page. Sometimes they make a viral video. Whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, that is the type of censorship that Facebook is getting up to. That is what will sway an election. Uh, some Facebook ads, all that is, is cannon fodder that go, and most people just scroll right past it anyway. I mean, that's not yeah, going to absolutely. do anything. So it's a, it's a red herring. Yeah, you're right. I scroll past it multiple times. I mean, I see him, and I even, even when I saw ads on President Trump, I scroll by because I'm already going to vote for Trump. I don't need to look at it, you know. So right. it's like pretty, pretty much wasted money. So let's, let's change it, change it a little bit, but talk about the same thing a little bit. But so here it is. I don't know if anyone's seen this video. I'm pretty sure many people have. But here's a video with a, a gentleman sit. Uh, I guess this is in California, right? Uh, he's waiting. I'm assuming for the Bart, and he's eating a sandwich. Just you know, sitting there eating a sandwich and you know, mind his own business. Well, a police officer come up to say, "I'm going to arrest you. I'm detaining you." And he go, "Why? Because you're eating a sandwich." That is against the law to eat a sandwich. I mean, seriously. So we have we have homelessness. We have every what they say. I think it was like every 23 seconds, uh, a vehicle is being broken into in San Francisco, and they're going after this man for. For eating a sandwich. So let's play a little bit of this and then we're going to come back and we're going to try to touch on some Hong Kong. That is number 20. Bro, that's you go. are detained and you're that's not free to go. go. That's part of you. Bro, you come up here and f with me. You single me out out of all these people. You're eating. Bro, so what? It's a good thing. You're eating. So what? I tried. It'll be done if I can all work. Let my it's a violation of California law. I have the right to detain you. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Can you please on my backpack. And you know what the, you know what Tom, the left is, what they're saying this is, they're saying this because he's a white cop. He's a, he looked like he's a, I guess I'm assuming he's a black male, right? They say he's a black male. And they're saying that this is racist. 
This, that's what. That's why they're triggering this. They're saying this is racist. Was taking place instead of the cop. I, I don't approve with the cop uh, trying to detain him or arrest him because he eating a stinking sandwich. Anyways, does the cop? The cop look like he might want some of the sandwich. I'm just saying. But <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, like, dude, I want your sandwich. He should have offered some. You want a bite? Maybe the interview they gave him the bite. Okay, let me have one bite. All right, what about a nibble or something? I mean, seriously, this is not. This is, should be something. This is important. This is, this is going to lead us to what's happening in Hong Kong. That's that's exactly right. I mean, this is bizarrely Orwellian. I mean, it's illegal to eat a sandwich on a certain street corner. I mean, you have to wonder, and especially in these Democrat hellhole cities, how do these cops justify their existence? I mean, in general, I support the police, but you see something like this, and it does make you wonder what type of person wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to arrest a sandwich eater today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. You know what? So we have we have another video clip. This is a a report of what's happening over in Hong Kong. And I watched uh, this video earlier and I was just completely horrified. I mean, this is what's happening on the planet. This is what's happening to people that's fighting for their safety. This is for people that's fighting for their freedom. This is happening to families right now on the planet. And. People are people. A lot of people are not even paying attention to it because it's like, oh, it's not happening to me. But what we just showed you, the American people, that's going to happen here if the liberals have it their way. If if they remove President Trump, that's exactly what's going to come. All right. So we're going to go to this video and then we'll be back after the break. Well, in the past five months, uh, we have been resorting to various uh, methods and means uh, to tackle this escalating violence. And I, I do not want to go into details, but I just want to make it very clear that we will spare no effort in finding ways and means that could end the violence in Hong Kong as soon as possible. What various methods are Carrie Lam referring to? On September 20th, Hong Kong police said they might have to kill someone. 11 days later, on October 1st, Hong Kong police shoot a young protester at point-blank range. Plainclothes police have been found attacking protesters. Hong Kong police officer was seen driving his motorcycle into a crowd of protesters. And on November 11th, at least one other protester was shot at close range by Hong Kong police in what appears to be a blatant misuse of lethal force. That same day, a man arguing against the protesters was set on fire after being yelled at to go back to the Greater Bay Area or go back to Communist China. The protesters know they cannot win against the Communist Chinese, and yet they continue to fight for their five demands. Carrie Lam has made it clear that the government will not submit to their demands. And she stands firmly with the communist Chinese. Our society has been put under strain because of the extensive violence uh, by the rioters. There's no question that um, 
escalating violence could get what the rioters want. But I just want to make it very clear that we will spare no effort in finding ways and means that could end the violence in Hong Kong as soon as possible. Clearly, this will end in more violence. And if Hong Kong falls to China, they won't be the last. Will the world stand idly by and watch as Hong Kong is completely usurped by the Communist Party? So far, this seems to be the case. For Infowars.com, this is Greg Reese. run by these people you read wikileaks you go to jail you report on a fake whistleblower his name's already out you go to jail you talk about them trying to appoint a obama department head to the jury which was confirmed you go to jail it's all over the news that they are trying to arrest me or seeking indictments right now alex jones threatened to name a roger stone juror experts say that might be jury tampering washington post no remember it's illegal to possess uh, these stolen documents. It's different for the media. It's different for the media. It's different for the media. So if you read what an investigative journalist legally and lawfully releases, protection of the First Amendment, that's in all the Supreme Court rulings, you're going to go to prison, not just Julian Assange. And they're showing us what happens to investigative journalists now. What would have happened to Daniel Ellsberg exposing the Vietnam War today is being locked up to rot in solitary confinement. And now they've come out all over the national news and they've said that they want Alex Jones arrested for pointing out that the judge selected as the first juror in the Roger Stone railroading kangaroo show trial star chamber event. These people are unbelievable. And what else do they say? Don Jr. needs to go to jail while they're on The View. And one host says, ah, my law degree says you go to jail. Did you advise um, your boyfriend that it is a federal crime to out a whistleblower? I didn't advise him that it was a federal crime, but I did come out of the bathroom and say I left you alone for 10 minutes. What happened when Mama sees his gun? Because yeah. by the well, prison, it's, not a federal crime. it's only a federal However, crime for the IG to do it. That's yeah. in the statute. Well, well, so that's, you well, can't, no, that's but not that's true. The, you can't that's run a lie. With, it is not She's true. A, Let me show you the other not true. Sure. Under, under the U.S. Code. Okay, stop. Everybody stop. It's hard to hear. Under U.S. Code, Section 1505, it is a crime. It's not accurate. Just ask where you call. My law degree says it is. But nevertheless, but he's not the end of such thing. None of that's true. Quid pro quo is not illegal. As the president talking to a head of a state, unless he was personally making money, which he wasn't off of it. So they're just saying normal activity is illegal. If they tried to put Bill Clinton on the jury, or Hillary Clinton, or Chelsea Clinton, or let's say Bill and Hillary Clinton's maid, somebody they had power over, they would be disqualified for the appearance of impropriety. That's the law. But Judge Jackson and all her imperious Hubris-filled arrogance admonished everyone, I guess, on, was it Wednesday? It was Wednesday. Not to talk about the jury to anyone. And then they said, Jones knew that when an hour later he 
talked about it. No, I didn't. But she can't sit there and tell the media, don't talk about these jurors. That's not going to stand up. What if one of the jurors was Bill Clinton? Hi, everybody. Don't talk about me being on the jury here. Don Jr., 100% cut and dry, could say who the whistleblower is. And the person's not even a whistleblower, but it has that oh, dossier whistleblower. I didn't even realize that this thing's some doing. sort of so big sort of secret. You don't regret doing that? I don't regret doing it. No, I don't okay. think I should have to forego my First right. Amendment it, rights. It's out there. I read it in an article. I've been reading it for a week. I saw it on the Drudge Report. <laughs> like, this is not some secret, but to then say, because it's Donald Trump Jr., because he's an outspoken guy, to then create, okay? why was there no outrage when Drudge Report, <laughs> okay. which is a major website, Calm probably down. the largest aggregator of media news mm -hmm. in America, he puts it out there a few days ago, and no, crickets, no, no problem with that. Because Come on, guys. Probably not a lot of people knew that it was out there, but once you put it it's out, see, well, but here's millions the, of people see yes, Drudge but Day. I'm saying to you, listen, man, I don't know how many people here uh, read the Drudge Report. I don't know, but I'm saying um, all those, a lot more people know your name than know the Drudge Report. You're assuming. Well, they go, oh, Jones isn't right. We're not going to tell you who it is. We have no idea. The whole thing's secret. But they did say it is an Obama official, and that's perfectly fine, the judge said. And now for daring to say, wow, that's terrible. And that's reportedly who it is. They won't deny it. Well, Jones needs to be arrested. Are you a truck driver and you're traveling across the country trying to stay awake? Then TurboForce from InfoWarsStore.com is the choice for you. It is one of the best energy sources on the market today. You should try it at InfoWarsStore.com. Are you a student and you're looking for something that's not going to give you the crash and burn like coffee and other energy drinks? Then go to InfoWarsStore.com and try TurboForce today. Again, that is InfoWarsStore.com. firepowernews.com we have a special guest on with us this young man has had the privilege of having president trump retweet his mega challenge and they're going to invite the winners to the white house so bryson and i got the we got to attend a rally uh this past friday where president trump had a rally for it was called black voices for Trump 2020 campaign kickoff. And we were there, and while we were there, President Trump tweeted this young man's uh, uh, Twitter page out about him doing the mega challenge, and it's absolutely awesome. I'm so excited for this young man. It's, it's great. And while we were there, we had the honor of hearing President Trump, Vice President Pence, and Ben Carson uh, talk about how the Democrats have been destroying the black community for forever. Ever since the beginning of the Democrat Party was created, um, have they been destroying, have they been doing nothing for the Democrats, have been doing nothing for black people and to help black people prosper. I mean, for the, for the, for the most part, I mean, I guess they really hadn't done anything for white people if you really think about it. 
I mean, seriously, they've, they've, you know, they pretty much say white people are evil today, but I digress. So without further ado, let's bring Bryson on. And Mr. Bryson, congratulations to President Trump tweeting you out. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Man, thank you. Thank you, man. What's up? Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Nice meeting you too over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Good times. So tell us what, what made you do or what made you come up with the idea with the mega challenge? And and did you ever think that it would get to where it is now like this with President Trump? Well, I, um, it started on Instagram. I really just posted a video, my song MAGA Boy, uh, that I had. And I did a little trailer video to it. Then Angela Stanton wanted me to send it to her for open space on it to rap. So uh, she she hopped on it. And, I, and 20 minutes later, she posted a video with her rapping to it. So I commented on it and I said MAGA Challenge. Next thing I know, she edited her caption and put Magatara. I said, "Oh, she went it then." So I went to Twitter. <laughs> so, so I went to Twitter it, Twitter with it, and it just started going crazy. But I did not imagine Donald Trump tweeting it. I thought it was a little too, you know, too urban per se. You know, it ain't clean cut. But uh, when I saw that he tweeted it, I was actually on the bus outside of the Black Voices for Trump event. And I was like, what in the world just happened? And everybody on the bus like, yo, what? Everybody started going crazy, man. It was it was awesome. Yeah, I can only imagine how the feeling was. I mean, and you know what? I think it was a brilliant idea to incorporate a the rap challenge uh, to show our support for President Trump, to show the American people that it's not just a certain demographic that will support President Trump, but it, it's the, the spectrum goes all over, right? It's everyone in this country. I mean, as as a black man in this country, it is better under President Trump than it would have ever been under a God for help us, a President Clinton. <laughs> that is a fact, and that's one of the reasons I was so happy the MAGA Challenge did what it did, and one of the reasons I went so hard with the MAGA Challenge is because it it literally proves on its own that the the false narrative is false, which is all Trump supporters are racist and black. There's no black Trump supporters, no Hispanic Trump supporters, no Asian Trump supporters. You had an Asian guy do the, do the MAGA Challenge, so I feel like the MAGA Challenge single handedly just ruins the narrative of the mainstream media. Nice. So we have I love how grassroots it is. Yeah, I was just saying, I love how grassroots it is. I mean, it's truly, and to see President Trump embrace it. So I have to ask, I mean, what are the logistics? Do you know, did President Trump reach out? Is there a panel? Are we doing this like American Idol? I mean, in all seriousness, though. We should get um, time to do expect- one. <laughs> how do you, in all seriousness, how do you expect it to work? The White House called me and said they want me involved with the content rollouts of it and everything. And, you know, I'm just saying yes to whatever they say. I don't care what they will say on the phone. I'm like, yeah, I'm with it. Well, well, yeah, heck yeah. So they said they said it will be in contact with me this week. So as of right now, I'm just I'm here. <laughs> are you getting I would imagine you are. But tell us about the takers, the people that are like rising to the occasion to jump in this mega challenge. And on top of that. What what has what has been the uh the uh how is it what what's been the feedback that you've received from the black community? 
Uh, well, if, if you see Shade Room posted it, uh, Baller Alert posted it, and on Baller Alert, of course, people in the comments, in the caption, they, they trying to drag me and Trump or whatever. But, uh, I posted and told all of my followers to go pick Trump 2020 under it and stuff. And, oh man, it was, they've been Trump 2020 so, so much, they disabled the comments. So, but. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. you know what? That's, that's the support. That's, that's the type of support. We should always see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, I mean, of course, it's mixed. You have some people that say, I don't like Trump, but I can't lie. This song hard. And you got other people saying, you know, the usual, look at his coon, boot licking, house Negro, you know, the regular. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> so you've had kind of like this meteoric rise over the past couple months. I mean, uh, what has this been like? I mean, uh, I, you were on the show not that long ago saying that, you know, this all kind of caught you uh, by surprise. So tell the viewers what it's like to kind of be thrust into the limelight like this. Um, it's insane because you really don't expect it. Well, it depends. If you're doing something specifically to get it, then I guess you're prepared for it. But uh, me, I'm, I just do what I always do anyway and, and I just happen to get in front of the right camera at the right time and say what I regularly say and it's crazy because I feel you just feel unprepared you just feel like I'm missing out on something when I probably don't I probably don't miss out on so much stuff and I I probably shouldn't work in a nine to five still but I, I, I just I don't be prepared I be just doing what I do I don't know how else to say it I do what I do <laughs> man and, and it, it just comes it's crazy it's God I, I, I just give it all to God man yeah that's awesome absolutely awesome you know I think, uh, what you're doing, this mega challenge, to me, I think it's a, a positive way to get people to pay attention to politics, especially people in the black community that relate to, you know, hip hop, a, a lot of, you know, rap music. They, they look at it differently. So for you to do this, they, like you said, you get all the hate. But what, what has been the biggest challenge that you have run into so far other than feeling like that you're not prepared? Um, what is the biggest, that's a good dang on question. The biggest challenge, the, my, honestly, the biggest challenge for me is trying to get other people to be more vocal because mm. I don't see no personal challenge because I'm sort of crazy. So I'm going to do what I want to do regardless. And I, I, of course I get banned from something every week or my posts get banned every, every week, but I, I, I just want to be inspiration for other people to get up and do something. But you can tell a lot of other conservatives, they're still scared to wear their MAGA hats in public or still scared to publicly say stuff. Or sometimes they're even scared to speak out against certain communities, even though they claim to be conservative. So I, I just want to be inspiration to them. Um, I don't know if I'm a good inspiration because I keep getting banned from stuff. But, you know, I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, and I, we've only got like a minute or so left, but I just saw yesterday on, on Facebook, you got banned for something. I mean, talk a little bit about this. What is it that you're, that, that Bryson Gray is posting that's so terrible that keeps getting you banned? I think everything I say is hate speech. So I don't even know what it was yesterday. <laughs> I got banned on Facebook twice today. So I don't know what it was. I don't even remember what it was yesterday, but today I got uh, banned from something. But I just, I just said a post, you know, I, I said things like I'm against same sex marriage and, no, I, I didn't. There's only two genders, you know, stuff that are actually just simple. It's just simple. Oh, truth. so so but basically, you're saying, speaking no. the truth, and they're banning you because you're speaking the simple truth. Two plus two equals four. Equals Bam. four. Yes, you can't. It you can't say two that. minutes. 
Within two like, minutes. I posted it. I, listen, I posted it. And two minutes later, it's banned. I'm like, yo, <laughs> what? Dang, wow. You know what it is? You know what it is? Because Trump tweeted you out. They are paying attention to you to like shut him down, make him quiet. Because he's going to reach black people. He's going to, hey, he's going to convince some black people to get off the Democrat plantation. You got to shut him up. We about to lose some property. Shut him down. We're going to lose some property. Do you understand what's happening here, people? This is the left. That's what they're saying. All right. We're talking to Bryson Gray. Mega challenge. We'll be back after this. Bones, six cracked ribs, and a broken knee. A fast food worker being charged with body slamming a woman in a parking lot Tuesday night. Thanks for joining us. That woman undergoing surgery this evening at Vanderbilt. In a report you will only see here on News 4, our Nancy Amons tells us tension is still so high, police showed up there again today. The video captured on the cell phone from this parking lot, so explosive, it continued to cause problems even today. In fact, Columbia police had to be called and the restaurant temporarily shut down. The video is disturbing. You see a woman coming out of the Popeyes, then watch as she's body slammed by a Popeyes employee. We don't know the whole story, but an employee's husband told me the woman you see being slammed had called employees a racial slur after they accidentally overcharged her for a sandwich. He says the woman you see on the ground had kicked his wife. Jeff Jansen is an employee. He tells us the worker was fired. It was uncalled for. There wasn't no reason for that. Columbia police arrested Darian Hughes this afternoon. He's charged with aggravated assault, a felony. And there was more chaos today. That all started after Mike Helms, the man on the left in the blue hoodie, started recording an argument that broke out between some employees. There was a big screaming and shouting match. I broke out my phone and was going to record, and one of the workers uh, came and grabbed my phone out of my hand. Several officers spent the afternoon sorting things out. The restaurant closed by mid-afternoon. Columbia police say the assault investigation is ongoing. They say there is video evidence of the assault captured on the store's own security cameras. In Columbia, Nancy Amons, News 4. So, Bryson, I wanted to play that, so I want you to see it. So I want to get your opinion on this. And one of the things that I hate to see is, you know, you always see black people showing up at Popeye's Chicken. Of all places, some chicken. And, and they get in a fight, and I, I, I really don't like it because they, there's this perception now that black people, they go to chicken, and they get to fight. I mean, have you seen this, and what are your thoughts about this? Uh, my thoughts about it is Chick-fil-A would never. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the, pro- the problem with Popeye's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why this is so cool in our culture to act like this, to respond like Thank this, you. to respond with violence. It is but I, you know, I blame I blame the culture, which is why I'm so glad that the culture don't like me no more. But because we need new culture, so I think that's really what it is. We need to improve the culture. 
<laughs> I mean, you see stuff like this, and you just have to wonder, what is in that chicken sandwich that people are going so crazy? I was actually just reading a, a New York Post article before we uh, went live tonight that said uh, in one chicken sandwich, the person opens up the wrapper, and they found a half-smoked uh, marijuana cigarette, I do believe is the proper term. And it just makes you wonder, what is going on? But the sorry, Bryson. <laughs> Bryson, you just honed in on something really important, actually, I think, which is that the culture doesn't like you anymore. And uh, Kanye West recently came out and when asked, uh, what do you have to say against people who say you're abandoning the culture? He said, good, that's the idea here. So can you kind of expand on that? Tell us what you think needs to change with the, and I think it's larger than just the black community or the white community or any community. I think it's the American culture as a whole. What needs to change? How can we go about that? Well, the same way I feel about the public education system, it just needs to be, the culture needs to be just burned all the way out and we need to just start rebuilding a new one because it has went so far, I hate to say it, but so far left, man, it's like nobody, it's like God, people mock God now, mock religion, I'm celibate, I can't even find a girl that want to date me partially because I'm celibate, then of course partially because I'm a Trump supporter, but it's like, I can't, like, they don't respect celibacy, you just want to be out here being thoughts and, 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 and having baby daddies and baby mamas all day, instead of talking to somebody you want to fight all the time, that's your natural reaction to be a fight, you want to be a victim, you know, you know what's crazy? Especially in, in, in my community, we want to be oppressed so bad that we oppress ourselves to prove it. Do you know how crazy that is? <laughs> hey, listen, man. Listen, that's one of the things that pisses me off the most. I go in on this all day. Then you're absolutely right. And you know what? There's a lot of people like when you when when President Trump tweeted you out. I don't know if you recall, but one of the first things I said to you is take it and run with it. And I said I'm so happy for you. You know, I mean, so many other people. Even the people that complain about Trump, they would love for him to tweet about them. Yep. I mean, seriously. And, you know, so, you know, congratulations to you. I, I don't have any, you know, I, I wish nothing but the best for you. I want all of the success for you. So I can say, hey, I know Bryson Gray. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to be able to do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And there's nothing wrong with trying to encourage people to do better. You doing it, you doing this mega challenge. I think it, like I said, it is absolutely brilliant. You're bringing the culture, the, the, like the black culture with hip hop. You're bringing it into something to make people think. And then they think, here's a challenge that President Trump is willing to get involved with. That is beautiful. Yeah. And, and another part about the mega challenge that I love that I see personally is a lot of the people that were willing to go out of their comfort zone or people that was actually rappers that were conservatives to actually do it, you see they're they're gaining a following just from their MAGA challenge. And to me, it's like, man, it's like now people like, we, we might just thought a conservative record label out here, the conservative, the Trump death row or something. Actually, I'm sorry, let me just jump in. We'll call it uh, Trump's life role because he want, okay. you know, he want, he want people to live. He want babies yes, to live. Sir. Democrats, yes, they want to kill. 
Yes, Trump's yes, life roll. Roll, roll him out. Roll out. <laughs> well, I think it is about time that the America First movement does take over the rap game. The time has come. But, Bryson, so, I mean, obviously, I think most folks are very familiar with the MAGA challenge by now. But how, if somebody who doesn't, you know, they're, they're not into music, they don't really understand uh, the producing element of it, how do people get involved? How do I, how do I submit my MAGA challenge video is, I guess, what I'm asking. Well, the first thing you do is on my Twitter, just go on Twitter, type hashtag Mega Challenge, or just go to my page and find it. And then when you hear the song, go to my YouTube where you see the Mega Challenge at, I think, one minute and 22 seconds. It's an open space for you to add your version to it, rap over it, record yourself doing it, post it on Twitter, hashtag Mega Challenge, tag me, tag Trump, and let's make it happen. That's awesome. So the one that gets the most views, the most retweets, the most, uh, just comments, I'm pretty sure all that takes a, a takes a, uh, you know, a factor into who wins. You know what, Bryson? Like I said, a great honor, man. And, you know, we were, we were there and it was just, as soon as, soon as the tweet came out, everyone said, look, 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 look. And it just buzzed <laughs> went everywhere. Yeah. So I can yeah, only imagine. Crazy. So yeah. So, you know what? Like I said, man, I wish you the best of luck. Now, when you when you blow up and you get really big, don't forget about us small people. Come back on and talk about it so we can help promote the album. You know, I, I heard I heard some stuff. I heard some stuff so we can promote the album. We can talk about it. You get your music video. We'll play some of it. Well, man, I want to I want you to be successful because everyone, if we help others to be successful, then the America will turn out the be- better for all of us. That's what President Trump is doing. He wants everyone to be successful. And the exactly. liberal enough and Democrats don't want us to. So, hey, thank you again for coming on with us. And it's been a great pleasure of talking with you. Thank you so much, man. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So thank you. <clears throat> uh, Bryson Gray, please show some love. Go to his Twitter. Do the challenge. Do the challenge. Just do the challenge. All right. We're going to have another guest on with myself and Tom Pepper. Firepowernews.com. You gotta fight for this country if you love it. You gotta fight. And there's different ways to do that. One way is going to ban that video. We'll be back. Listen, there's no room for socialism. I don't even want to talk if you ain't talking patriotism. Real news, real people, real politics. This is Firepower. Firepower. This is Firepower. Of course, Tom Pappert and the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Will Johnson. Our guest for the rest of this broadcast is Noel Fritch. Noel is a America First campaign consultant. He's worked with some of the biggest real America First candidates who have made it into office, some who are currently trying, but we won't spoil it for the viewers at home. Noel is responsible for getting constitutional carry and reciprocity laws passed in several states. And he's the reason why we wanted to have him on the show is he is an insider who is an outsider. He knows what's going on in the swamp. He knows the names. He knows where some of the bodies are buried. And he's very aware of what Mitch McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate, is or is not doing when it comes to impeachment and what the other Republicans are really failing to do when it comes to protecting President Trump. So, Mr. Fritch, thank you for coming back on Firepower. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. Good to be here. 
Absolutely. So I'm, I'm wondering, we were discussing impeachment in the first hour quite a bit. Um, what, what are the stakes here? I mean, obviously the Democrats think that they can have this all ramped up and President Trump out of office by Christmas. What do, what, what's this, what are the stakes here? What do Republicans need to be worried about? So the calendar, uh, with a lot of stuff in, in, in politics is what drives everything, right? So you've got, um, Nancy, uh, planning to bring a vote. It looks like right around the week before Christmas. Uh, of course, I've been saying that this is what's going to happen for some time. This is what both uh, Republicans and Democrats like to do is they like to play this legislate by crisis game with us, with the American people, uh, using the media to help them do this, by the way. Every Christmas, just about, if you look back year over year over year, this is what they do. Paul Ryan, Nancy Pelosi, doesn't matter. Something is going to be effed up at Christmas time or Thanksgiving, and it's going to have everybody at the Thanksgiving table arguing. This is part of their plan, by the way, uh, to drive a bunch of essentially fatigue among the voters looking into 2020. So uh, around December 21st, you have a big vote uh, in the House. Um, and so it's really important for everyone to understand that it is actually possible to stop uh, this vote, to stop the impeachment, to get a no vote on impeachment. And here's how. I mean, the, they uh, they you know, they always use this procedural vote stuff that they hide behind. They did one of those. They had they voted to to proceed with um, the rest of the impeachment uh, inquiry. Um, and uh, so a lot of the folks, even if they end up. Um, you know, voting no later can still be blamed for voting to allow it to proceed, right? Uh, and this is the nitty-gritty, the weeds that these Congress critters like to hide in are these procedural votes, cloture votes, these types of things. Um, but it's it's the job of every conservative American all over the country right now to look at a, a, what is about uh, 25 to 40, uh, uh, depending on sort of like uh, – the analysis uh, U.S. House districts where we can absolutely remove the sitting incumbent Democrat. Um, and that's a really realistic thing to do. Um, the party even is looking at about 40 of these and the party usually can't get its act together on anything politically. Um, obviously, uh, they failed miserably in 2018 and it would not have been that hard for them to hold that uh, that U.S. House. Uh, it would have been very easy to do. Um, it's going to look, you heard it here first. I actually think we're going to win back the house. Uh, what are we on the 11th today? Yep. Um, you heard it here first. Noel Fritch says we're going to win back the U S house in November of 2020. But first things first, we have to stop the impeachment of Donald Trump, uh, by Nancy Pelosi, uh, with the help of some of those Republicans. So the, the calendar dictates, right? After that, uh, vote, um, and I'm going to come back to the next 40 days, but I'll move on briefly. You have February 11th as the next big deadline. So what Mitch is going to do, Mitch McConnell is, of course, uh, working together hand in hand, hand in glove with Chucky e. Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to try to do as much damage as they can do to Donald Trump. Uh, this is how it works in D.C. This is why we haven't gotten anything out of the president uh, the, off of his desk signed because the Congress hasn't delivered him anything for the last, you know, uh, three years, three and a half years. So. Um, they're, they're looking to do as much damage as they can to him with about a, a four week, five week Senate trial, a uh, bunch of pomp and circumstance. Look out for a, you know, this, a bunch of hearings right after the new year. It's going to mess up everybody's football bowl season. Um, and every day there's going to be you know, people called witnesses called. Um, 
it remains to be seen whether the Senate is actually going to do their job and put on a forceful defense of the president or if they're going to, uh, you know, let Nancy and all of her cronies uh, air their ridiculous grievances over this Ukraine hoax. And I guess we can get to that uh, uh, later if you want to. Um, so that's the game. The game is weaken Donald Trump as much as possible going into 2020. Mitch would much rather work with Hillary than Donald. There's no question about it. Um, and but the, the the dichotomy you see here is, um, and for the last couple of years, the dominant paradigm is uh, the Republicans have had to go out and pretend to love Donald Trump uh, a whole heck of a lot more than they ever would have liked to. And so that's how you end up seeing uh, flimsy Lindsey Graham, um, confirmed bachelor at 65 years of age or whatever he is, uh, championing Donald Trump there for Kavanaugh at the Kavanaugh hearing. So um, anyway, these guys, so you've got um, about 40 days until this thing uh, on December 21st, okay? And uh, there are uh, these 25 to 40 districts um, I actually think if we can, um, if patriotic America first, uh, uh, citizens out there can, um, very forcefully lean on about five or seven of these joker Democrats who kind of lucked up and found themselves in the, in the U.S. House in these, uh, deep red Republican seats, um, that were basically purchased by Soros and Steyer, uh, and, and the, uh, Bloomberg, you know, last cycle, um, you're going to see a lot more of those Democrats move with those first five, six, seven, uh, because they move in packs. Mm. These, 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 they're like lemmings. They're like all of, they're like all of the penguins jumping off of the ice float. Uh, <laughs> they don't, they'll never do anything on their own ever. They won't stick their neck out and take a risk. Uh, but if they see a bunch of, um, other dummies jumping off a bridge, they too will go jump off the bridge. And the bridge in this case will be the no vote. Uh, to impeach on honor around December 21st. So um, I highly recommend that the folks here at Firepower um, get serious about counting votes. I know it's dry. I know it's not the most, it's not the sexiest thing ever. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, we have to go defend our president from impeachment. And uh, and so that's what we've got to do for the next 40 days. It's time to put on our, our, uh, our big boy underpants guys and go to work. Absolutely. Hey, Thank you for uh, coming on with us again, Noel. Um, let me ask you this. Did you see, did you find it ironic that all of a sudden they came out with three more witnesses today and all of a sudden they have uh, transcripts about what President Trump said? What, who was it? Uh, Laura Cooper. Uh, to me, I was like, why, how can they didn't produce this, you know, two weeks ago? Why today with this being, you know, uh, uh, impeachment week for the Democrats? Sure. Well, um, look, first of all, let's establish that, you know, uh, actual facts, right? They like to joke about alternative reality, alternative facts, actual facts do not matter to these people. Okay. Uh, they're going to, they're going to tr trot out and try to drip, 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 uh, some newfangled piece of, uh, quote unquote evidence every couple of days for the next 40 days or, uh, more like 120 days till Feb 11. I, I haven't counted the days, but uh, 90 days. Till February 11th and um, 90 plus. And so that's how it's going to be, uh, just like with uh, Christine Balsey Ford and uh, Blazy, sorry, and, um, uh, you know, all of the, the jokes with, that they had, the, the uh, witnesses that they had with, with, with Kavanaugh. It'll just be another, it's one thing after another. I mean, look, we're talking about people who are like legit taking massive, like stacks of cash from the, uh, from the government, uh, uh, in the, in the oil industry 
And these are all kids of Democrats who purport to hate oil. I mean, these people have not a leg to stand on. We don't need to even entertain all that stuff. I don't even want to get into the weeds on all that stuff. I think the the most efficient, effective thing that Americans can do is go straight to this list of 25 to 40 U.S. House reps and just hammer the heck out of them for the next 40 days. All right, well, cool. Hey, we're going to talk more to know when we come back from this break. Firepowernews.com. We'll be back. Back to Firepower. I am Tom Pappert, guest hosting, co-hosting with Will Johnson. Our guest for this half hour is Noel Fritch, America First campaign consultant. And Noel, if I understand correctly, you're saying the best thing that Republican voters, the audience, the activist audience here at Band.Video and Firepower and Infowars.com, the best thing that we can do to prevent impeachment from getting out of the House is to politically and legally go question key Democrats and say, why are you going to vote for this? You know this will make you lose come 2020. Is that the best strategy that our our viewers can employ? Yeah, more or less. Um, so so yeah these these districts where these uh, a lot of these Democrats are uh, 25 of them. Uh, you have uh, Republicans that were uh, successful in those districts when Trump won on Trump's back. Trump carried the districts. By double digits, 25 of those districts. Uh, it's going to happen again. Um, the Democrat votes just aren't there in a presidential uh, contest with Donald J. Trump to carry uh, a lot of those Democrats to victory. Some of them might slip through. I think maybe five of those slip through. And then sort of down the list, uh, you know, numbers 26 through 40. Uh, I th- even think we're going to win some of those. I think there's probably uh, four, five, six of those that we're going to uh, win back. And obviously a lot can change in politics. Um, but I, I think you're going to see the Republicans win something on the order of, uh, 22 to 25, 26 house seats. Um, and, uh, they know that by the way, uh, that's why they're talking about there. Some of them literally said, uh, on the record, we have to impeach him or else he'll be president again. See, that's the game. The whole game is impeach him so that he won't win again because they know that he's going to win again. Um, I think Biden might be the only guy who can potentially beat him, but that guy is uh, walking off stage talking to uh, somebody, uh, you know, stage left instead of the cameras. I don't know if you guys saw, but he's, you know, the wheels are falling off over there. Uh, they, they know they've got to find a uh, kind of a savior. I, I actually also predict you're going to see the Democrat Party do something fairly drastic to try to save their presidential aspirations. Um, and it might well work. Um, you know, these guys are good at holding power. That's something that they're very good at. Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them um, kind of in a, with a last-ditch effort here before these uh, primaries kick off, uh, do something to either bolster Biden um, or, or, or altogether replace him with a ticket that, uh, you know, something that might they might see as a dream team type of a ticket um, to try to actually uh, put a good challenge up against the president. Um, but backing away from the presidential stuff to the, to the impeachment stuff, um, they know they're in trouble uh, with, with the house as well. If they're in trouble with the president, they're in trouble with the house. Uh, and that's why you saw $5 billion spent in the, in the off year in 18 when numbers are traditionally lower 
uh, turnout numbers are traditionally lower. They knew they had a shot. And so the, that whole play, the reason that all of that money was spent was for this impeachment. Right. That's that's what it comes down to. And so they're going to do everything they can to, 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 to get that vote through. Um, and we have 40 days and about uh, 20 targets, 25 targets. And I think if we if we actually narrow that number down just a little bit to five, six, seven targets um, in, in the next 40 days uh, and we have a laser like focus on those five, six, seven targets, um, I think you're going to be likely to see more of those uh, lemmings jump off the cliff with uh, those uh, soon to be losers. I really like your insight on everything. No, let me ask you this. How do we and how do we prevent the Democrats from repeating what they did in Kentucky? I mean, because it's real crush, questionable, right? I mean, how, how does that how does something like that even happen? You know, so how do we prevent that? Because so many people question I'm questioning it. I mean, this is this is it's 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 crazy. Right. So, so here, here, here's the deal. Um, uh it's not that long ago that, you know, there have been statewide electeds, you know, in, in Kentucky uh, at all. So uh, really what this comes down to is the uh, Republican machine in Kentucky equals Mitch McConnell, not Matt Bevin it equals Mitch McConnell. And and you just have to ask yourself one simple question here, which, of course, the mainstream media uh, didn't want to do. We all know what their preferred narrative is. Oh, the sky is falling for Republicans. Look, a Republican lost. They've been angling for it and spending tens and tens of millions and hundreds of millions and billions of dollars on it since 2017. Remember John Ossoff, like $50 million in Georgia six, which by the way, is going to be Republican again soon. Okay. They're just literally throwing money away to try to like buy a narrative in the, in the mainstream press. Well, back to Kentucky, the same thing happened. Ask yourself this question. If Mitch McConnell wanted Matt Bevin to be the governor of Kentucky, don't you think Matt Bevin would be the governor of Kentucky? The answer is yes, obviously, right? And so Matt Bevin had, uh, yeah, he had a Matt Bevin problem. He was he was kind of doing things a little bit that weren't too popular with like the teachers and some of the union folks. He torqued off and he and he fired uh, Janine Hampton, which was a silly move. He ticked off like the Tea Party group. And so look, your core you can't you can't cross your base. And so he did do all of those things, but he also did something that was even more uh, lethal to his political uh, uh, aspirations there, he cozied up to Mitch McConnell. He went to bed with the snake. You've heard the snake, the the poem that the president reads, right? Well, you know, Bevin was the guy who invited the snake in, and he thought that uh, Mr. Mitch McConnell, the snake, was going to help him and that being nice to him was going to buy him some favor. Obviously not. Mitch was playing, of course, the old godfather game, keep your enemies close, right? And, uh, managed to go ahead and eject Mr. Bevin there. And you look, I guarantee you Mitch was smoking a cigar or a stogie or eating a hot pocket or whatever he does with um, his <laughs> Elaine, Elaine Chow, uh, who is a, a big time uh, Chinese uh, uh, family sh- shipping magnate there. Um, they were celebrating, no question about it. Um, and when Bevin lost, so yeah, a total outlier. I wouldn't worry about Kentucky a bit. Everybody knows Virginia was going the direction it was going. Uh, the party mm-hmm. there will joke. Um, I, I know a ton about Virginia having run two statewide elections there over the last 17 and 18 um, and uh, went to high school there. Um, no, everybody knew that was coming in Virginia. Um, and the funny thing is, is guess what? There's one guy who could fix that. And his name is Donald Trump. Um, mm-hmm. If the party would get with Donald Trump instead of trying to play nice with see the, the state parties 
just play nice with their federal delegations. So there's like two or three Republican congressmen in Virginia that you've never heard of. Well, that's the only thing that the state party cares about. They'll raise half a million bucks per, per candidate, you know, per year. They'll do a couple million bucks of a fundraising and they'll spend it all just to protect those those house reps. They don't care about what the hmm. state house caucus in Richmond looks like. That's not sexy. They don't care about that. They're not going down to like fish fries to recruit candidates for races where the uh, the spend all in on the race might be 50 grand or 100 grand or 200 grand. They don't care about that stuff. There's no money in it. There's uh, they're already in with the the, the players in industry, uh, which you, you, this is everything's run by the Chamber of Commerce. And in the states, in these governor governor races and in this in the legislatures, everything's run by basically energy. Right. So solar, Dominion Power, uh, Southern Energy down in the southeast. Uh, we got Duke Power, Progress Energy out in it's PG&E out in California that's trying to uh, totally screw over the entire state of California. Right. So these energy companies own these whole states. Uh, and the state parties, uh, you have all these Republican grassroots folks who are like, hey, when is my party going to help me? Look, the party doesn't work for you. The party works for Dominion Energy. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. So- so, Noel, at first I find it interesting you describe McConnell as a snake. Typically you refer to him as a turtle when you come on these shows. <laughs> but um, I, I do just want to kind of uh, reinforce that. I mean, Virginia had something like 20, 25 seats where no Republicans were even running. They just weren't interested. And I think, as you were saying, that all goes back to Mitch McConnell. So, Nolan, in maybe 45 seconds, tell us some of these big Democrat names who are very, very vulnerable and would be good to have a reporter, a citizen journalist, anybody. Go question, why are you voting yes on impeachment when you know it's going to doom your political career? Sure. So um, the funny thing is, is they don't, they're not big Democrat names because they're they're the interim House representative from X district. So uh, in Jersey, you've got – look, the Jersey-New York bump is real. I think you're going to see four or five districts come back just in the Jersey area because folks up there love Trump. Jersey 11, Jersey 2. Uh, Max Rose comes to mind. I think he's in two or 11. I can't remember which. Uh, Virginia is going to have two seats come back. Certainly one, the Brat district, the guy with the puppy ads who lost because he was running away from Trump in a district where he had previously won by 16 percent on Trump's back in 2016. Uh, just asinine behavior from these Republicans. And he's supposed to be one of the good ones in the Freedom Caucus. Right. Wow. Uh, Virginia, wow. two, and- Texas, seven, the Culberson district. Uh, it's easier to name them by their former Republican a uh, long time incumbents than it is the new Democrats. So well, hey, no, um, I want to thank you. For, hey, no, I, w- I started to cut you off, but we're running out. I want to play this clip before we go out because you brought it up. This is Joe Biden. I want to thank everyone for being with us. Good night, everybody. Look at this clip. Close. No, brought it up. We're gonna play it. I learned something early on from my family, my mom and dad. They said, Joey, nobody is better than you, but everyone is your equal. Everyone is your equal. And folks, folks, I learned something early on from my family and my mom and dad. Wow.